Titus chapter number one. Look at the first five verses. I just preach what the Lord's put on my heart for tonight. Not necessarily a missions message, but it's a needed message. Verse number one says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the according of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. But hath in these due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. The ordained elders and ordained elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this evening. What a blessing it is to be in the house of God. Thank you, Lord, for the songs that we've heard tonight. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the day that you saved us. Lord, that's a day we'll never forget. God, we might forget the hour, we might forget the date, but Lord, we don't remember, or we'll, we'll never forget, Lord, the day, God, that you saved our souls. And we thank you, Lord, for that tonight. Lord, thank you, uh, Lord, that it's a one-time deal. Lord, I'm thankful tonight I can't lose what you've given me, God. Lord, you're in control of it. Lord, you're holding it tonight. Lord, it's not me. Lord, if it was up to me, Lord, I would have been out of this thing a long time ago. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for grace and mercy tonight, Lord. I just ask you, Lord, this evening, God, that you touch the preaching. God, would you move in our hearts tonight? God, make the word of God not just uh, real to us tonight, but, Lord, make it uh, applicable. God, make us, help us to take it home and live it and apply it in our everyday life. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, and amen. I want to ask you a question tonight. If you're on a deserted island, what three things would you wish that you had? Or what three things would you say, I would need these if I was on a deserted island? If we went person to person tonight, everybody would say something else probably. There'd probably be some commonality in between some answers, water, uh, you know, things like that, water, a flashlight, a satellite phone to call home. But you think about this, you, know, you start asking these questions to kids and their hypothetical goes way out the window and they'll say things like this. Oh, well, I'd bring a teleporter and then I could just teleport myself back to wherever I was. You know, my favorite I ever heard was, I would bring a, a car with a window in it, or a car door with a window in it, in case I got hot, I could roll it down and cool off. But here's the thing tonight, we could talk about that all night long, what we would hypothetically bring or want or need in that kind of situation, but truthfully speaking, the majority of us in tonight, and I'm talking about a vast majority of us, are probably never going to face that challenge, right? We're never actually going to be... Uh, deserted on an island, and now I'm preaching this, and we're heading out tomorrow to Tybee Island, <laughs> and I hope we make it home safely. <laughs> we'll detach the car door and take it with me. But when it comes to the Christian life, there's three things we absolutely need. We're not speaking hypothetically. We're not speaking uh, pros and cons. We're not speaking your opinion over mine. I see three things tonight in First Titus, or First Titus, Titus chapter number one, verse one, one through five. I see three things tonight that every Christian needs. Right? Notice number one, every Christian needs a Bible. Every Christian needs a Bible. Look at verse number three. But hath in due times manifested his word. Who? God has manifested his word. How? Through preaching, which is commanded unto me according, uh, committed unto me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. Tonight, every one of us needs a Bible. Why? It's God's word. That should be reason enough. That there shouldn't need any more uh, prodding and prying. Now, the fact that we have God's word written in our language that we can uh, read from and glean from and live by 
But knowing that within our hands tonight, within our laps or wherever your Bible's positioned on your pew tonight, wherever it is, this is God's word. And every Christian needs to have a Bible. That word manifest, it means to make visible, to make known. The greatest reason you need a Bible is because it's God's word, but yet, even though that's reason enough, let me give you a few more reasons. Not one, the Bible is a God. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This book is a guide for every kind of issue. Now, tonight, you're saying, well, preacher, there's modern day things uh, that I probably can't go and, 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 and find a verbatim verse that says, hey, don't do this. Or, preacher, I'm praying about what my Facebook pattern or password should be. Can I find that in the word of God? No, but you can find set no evil thing before you. Uh, you know, and all those kind of things, being honest in your labor, working hard, all those kind of things. But this book is a guide for every issue in life, every moral issue. Preacher, why, do you, why are you voting a certain way in November? It's not because I genuinely like one politician uh, or one man that's running over the other. One is standing where the Bible stands. One is standing where the word of God stands. God always stands for life. And no other, here's the thing, you can be right on that and listen, I, your economic things, all that, all that is, is okay but here's the thing, you can have the best economy policy, you can have the best uh, social policy, you can have all of that, but if you're not right on this, if you're not right on the issue of life, you're not getting my vote. Because listen, if, you, if you're okay with killing a baby, there's probably nothing else you'll stop at. But we see here tonight, this Bible is a guide for more family issues. Family issues. Paul's gonna lay some things out for Titus in a few verses, and he deals with the family first. Preacher, how do I have a good family? How do I have a good family? Matter of fact, there's probably millions of books written uh, in, in America alone on, on how to have a family, how to have a good family, how to spend time. And no doubt they're probably not wrong, but you can turn to the word of God and find everything you need for your family, every political, every personal issue, right? You can take it to the word of God and let it be a guide in your life. But here's the thing. The word of God will tell you what to do. It'll tell you where to do it. It'll tell you who to do it to, but it will not make you do it. Right? And so tonight we know that it is a guide, but a guide is only good if it's applied. Now, these young people have no idea what I'm talking about tonight, but how, y'all, how many of y'all remember the TV Guide channel? Right? Or the TV Guide pamphlet. They used to send it out in the mail months ahead of time, and you could figure out what was going to be on TV for the whole uh, quarter or whole next month. And I remember reading that thing and getting all that excited, but here's the thing. I could know what was coming on and when it was coming on and where it was coming on, but if I never turned the TV on, if I never applied what I knew, I was going to miss out on what was actually there for me. And when it comes to the word of God, we, know what the, we can know what the Bible says. We can know what we're supposed to do, but until we apply it, it's ineffective in our life. And so we need to let the Bible not just be a guide, but help us to apply it to our everyday life. When God takes a verse and he works it in your heart and he, he establishes the truth there, don't just say that's good, but practice it. Right? Put it into action tonight. The Bible is a guide. The Bible helps us grow. 1 Peter 2, verse 2, and newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. Here's the thing. I don't expect new Christians to know everything. I don't expect you know, mature Christians to know everything. And listen, if we could figure out everything about God, he wouldn't be much of a God tonight. But we do know this, and we do expect one to grow from the day of their salvation and as they live the Christian life. The Christian life is to be a life of growth, right? It's not to be a life of stagnancy. It's not to be a life of standing still and just sitting down and 
crossing your arms and saying, all right, Lord, come and get me whenever you're ready. No, it's a, it's a thing of growing in your fellowship with God, growing in your, your, your faith in God, growing in your commitment to God. In essence, the Christian life isn't a life of decline. It's a life of incline. You should be more and more as the days go longer in your life. So the Bible is a guide. The Bible helps us grow. How does one grow? By applying what they've learned. It goes right back to the first point. If it's a guide, it all goes back to application. I remember being in Bible college, and they said application, 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 application. You have not preached until you've applied the word of God. In essence, it's not good for me to just tell you things what the Bible says. There's great historical information, great statistics here, great numerology, great interesting facts. But can I say tonight, if I just merely read the Bible tonight and tell you some interesting stuff and don't tell you how to apply it, I failed as a preacher. And the same is true in our Christian life. If we know what God wants us to do and we don't do it, then we're failing. Right? We're failing what we're supposed to be doing. The Bible helps us grow. Amass knowledge is great. But if you don't apply it, you won't grow. Think about a plant tonight. Why do plants grow? Well, it's because I water it. Well, no, not necessarily. And that in and of itself, it takes those, that water and those nutrients from the soil and it takes it from where it is and applies it to different parts of the plant and that plant begins to grow. The same is true in our Christian life. We take the truth of God's word, the nutrients that are here, and we apply them in our areas of life, then we'll begin to grow as a Christian. Every Christian needs a Bible. The Bible's a guide. The Bible helps us grow. But notice the Bible's our guarantee as well. The Bible's our guarantee, Psalm 119.89, or forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. If God's word isn't true from Genesis to Revelation, we have no hope. Even if just a small portion of it is false, we have no hope. It's either got to be all the way true or we have no hope tonight, but I'm thankful tonight that every single part of it is true. It's all true tonight. Because of that, we can rejoice. We can, we can know if God's word is true in Genesis all the way through Revelation, then when he talks about heaven, when he talks about the place as a believer that he's promised to us, we know it's true because God cannot lie. And so we can rejoice over that. And I know when, I, when I take my last breath here, I know where I'm going. These things have I written on you that you may know that you've passed from death into life. I'm grateful tonight that I have the word of God, and not just that I have it, but it's 100% true tonight. Because if it wasn't true, I wouldn't know how to raise my family. I wouldn't know how to be a man. I wouldn't know how to do any of those things. But because it is true tonight, I can hold on to it. You can hold on to it tonight, and everything else will fall apart, but God's word will be true tonight. Let me ask you tonight, do you have a Bible? Oh, yeah, preacher, I got one. How often do you frequent it? How often do you read it? Well, I often read it with you, preacher, when you announce the text. Can I say tonight, if there's not a daily relationship with the word of God, we're failing. We're failing. I'm not preaching at you tonight. There's no daily relationship with the word of God in my life. I'm failing. So we see here tonight that we have a Bible. We, it's not that we just have one. We need a Bible. Every Christian needs a Bible. Notice number two, every Christian needs a church. Every Christian needs a church. Look at verse number five. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Notice that phrase, in every city. So Paul was sending Titus to go and ordain elders in every city. Well, why was he ordaining elders in every city? Because there was a church in every city. He wasn't sending Titus to find a mayor. He wasn't sending Titus to find a governor. He wasn't sending Titus to find a commissioner. He wasn't sending Titus to find somebody to try to overthrow the Roman government. He was sending Titus to find men in the church to train them, to teach them, and then to ordain them as elders in the church. We see in every city 
There was a church. Here's the thing. You can be a Christian and not go to church, but you cannot be a biblical Christian and not go to church. God designed the church. God ordained the church. I once heard a statement, and it, it, was, a, it was a slogan for a church. I can't remember what church it was, but their slogan was a church for people who don't like church. And at first, I didn't know what to think about that. Then I thought, the more I thought about it, I said, that makes absolutely no sense. If you apply it in every other form or in a different avenue, it wouldn't make any kind of sense. What if I, right there on Highway 25, built a McDonald's, entitled it a McDonald's for people who don't like McDonald's? He'd say, but it's still McDonald's. <laughs> or Lowe's for people who don't like Lowe's. I mean, I don't have a problem with Lowe's. I just got a problem with their PVC fitting section, amen? There's nothing there anywhere. <laughs> it's all over the place. But here tonight, we, it makes no sense. Well, preacher, why do we need the church? One, church is a place of accountability. Church is a place of accountability. It's a place where we look out for one another. Right? When's the last time you went to Walmart and the cashier said, hey, everything all right? I haven't seen you around here in a couple weeks. Oh, they don't do that to you at Walmart. I mean, unless you go up there every day. If you're going to Walmart every day, you need to sit down and make a list. Amen? Save you some gas. But when it comes to the church, you and I sit in services and we, we sit on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and we sit back and sometimes we're like, hey, so-and-so wasn't here tonight. That family was missing. Right? And we, 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 we call and we check in on, hey, is everything all right? Is everything fine? It's a place of accountability. It's where, a place where our faithful presence helps one another. Can I say tonight as your pastor, I don't know, it does my heart so good. And it encourages me, it encourages me and helps me more than you know tonight. And I'm not trying to, I don't want you to go through hard times, right? I want you to have the, the, the best life, so to speak. I, I want you to be blessed and all that wonderful stuff, have, have good things happen to you. But I think just about every family in here tonight, since I've been the pastor or if before I became the pastor I've watched you walk through valleys and trials. And yet you still kept coming. You just plopped right down in your pew, as tired as you were, as worn out as you were, and God just continued to help you. That helps my heart tonight. You don't understand how, how you sitting in your pew in the midst of your trials and your struggles and your problems and just trying to put one more foot in front of the other blesses me more than you know tonight. Notice here the church is a place of accountability. It is a place where the preaching of God's word keeps us in check. <laughs> oh, you're just saying that because you're the preacher tonight. Preacher. No, I, sometimes, all the time, <laughs> my preaching keeps me in check. God gave it to me first. <laughs> and there's sometimes where the Lord's like, hey, if you're going to preach that, you better tighten up. You better get it right before you stand behind the pulpit. The church is the only place where people are concerned if they haven't seen you in a while. It's the only place tonight church is a place of accountability. You need the church. Why? It's a place of accountability. Church is also a place of activity. If you go and turn over to Romans tonight on chapter number 16, Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. Romans chapter number 16 is the hall of service tonight. You don't have to turn there. But if you go and you turn there to, uh, later on, Paul is giving thanks to those who have labored on his behalf. It's, it's name after name after name after name of those who have, well, he even said they put their neck on the line for me. Those who have served and labored for their church in Rome. 
But you think about Romans 16 and how it's all about what I can do and how I can be a blessing and how I can get involved to the modern day idea of church. What can that church do for me? What kind of programs do you have? I had somebody email the church website a couple weeks ago and they said, what kind of programs do you offer? And I gave them the list and they said, well, if we move out there, we'll, we'll see what it's all about. And a lot of people, they, they, what, what is there for my kids? What is there for me and my spouse? What is there for my college-age children? Can I say tonight, programs are wonderful, programs are great, but a church needs to be a place of preaching. It needs to be where the word of God is opened and preached. You know what my kids need more than a program? They need someone to open up a Bible and say, thus saith the Lord. So we see tonight, it's a place of activity, it's a place of service. You are to serve the Lord in your church. Sometimes you serve in spiritual areas. You teach, you uh, help lead the worship, you pray one for another, right? Those kind of things. You deal with the spiritual, but also the physical needs. You come in and you clean the church. You come in and you take care of the grounds. You come in and uh, make sure there's water bottles behind the pulpit. All that you just serve, wherever the Lord has you to serve. You come in and Brother Ty changes out the prayer, prayer letters out there. Whenever we get new ones in, you just learn to serve in your church. It's a place of activity. You serve the Lord not just in your church, but you also can serve the Lord through your church. Outreach, missions, uh, the mission meal, those kind of things. Outreach, soul winning, where you go out in the community through your church under the, the heading of our church. Good News Club, where you outreach, but also missionaries. Listen, tonight, if a missionary comes through here and they don't have a home church, it's a no. Right, because God works through the local church. And if they can't be a faithful member to their church or they're afraid... Of what, if I were to call their pastor, what they would have to say, then that's, that's, a, that's a red flag. That's a warning tonight. A missionary evangelists tonight, they work through the church. See, we live in the social media age, right? Where you don't have to go to church as long as you get a big enough following. There's a church, I'm not going to name their name, but they have a whole social media church. And I say, it don't work that way. I thank the Lord for it. And in the middle of COVID, it, it helped us get through, but you and I both know. It ain't the same. <laughs> That's why y'all were calling me and asking, preacher, when are we going to go back in the building? When are we going to do that, preacher? And finally I said, listen, we're going to go. <laughs> we're going to go back into the building. We're going to have church because that's the way God designed it. Now, I understand first century. They didn't have the buildings like we have. The, uh, I about to say the festivities that we have, the facilities that we have. But they would meet together in a house. They'd have church. They would sing spiritual songs and hymns and then someone would open up the word of God. Someone would take Paul's letters, which is the word of God. I understand Paul penned them, but the Holy Ghost inspired. And they would sit there and they'd read those letters. And they'd expound upon that. Somebody was asking me this Sunday, they said, Are, is y'all's church, is it part of the Catholics or the Protestants? I said, neither. Well, preacher, we're not part of the Protestants? No. We trace our roots back to the Bible. We are a Bible-believing. Now, listen, I, I, more than I'm a Baptist, I'm a Bible-believer, but I am a Baptist because I'm a Bible-believer tonight. But notice here, the church is a place of activity. The church is a place of accountability. And notice this, the church is a place of affection. It's a place of affection. To some, church, to some, church is a place where their family goes. But to some, church is a place where their family is. I can't tell you how many people have said it about our church. It's like, y'all just one big family. I was like, one big family there. For, for years ago, now half the church used to be related, amen? <laughs> I 
remember when I first started coming here, <laughs> like this whole side of the church was related somehow. And I didn't know that. <laughs> and as I found it out, I was like, oh, y'all, y'all like make up half the church. <laughs> but notice here tonight, though we may not be physically related one with another, we have a joint heir. We are joint heirs. We have a, a, a same bloodline. We are the family of God tonight. So this place ought to be a place where it feels like family because that's what we are. We're family through Christ tonight. This isn't a place just where my family goes. This is where my family is. You don't understand tonight. Y'all have been good to me. And y'all have blessed me more than you know tonight. I've got physical family. But to be honest with you, I see y'all more than I see them. Some live closer and some don't. But I see y'all more than I see them. If you ask me, who's your family? Well, South Haven Baptist Church is. I mean, church is a place of affection. The only place that you can find the love of Christ between believers is in the church. Can't find it anywhere else. It's in the church. Let me ask you tonight, is church a nice elective for you? Or is it an absolute need in your life? Every Christian needs a Bible. Every Christian needs a church. Then notice number three tonight. Somewhere, there it is. Every Christian needs a pastor. Every Christian needs a pastor. Look at verse number five. For this cause left I thee in Crete that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Oh, preacher, you're just saying that because you're the pastor. You're just trying to build job security. Say we need a pastor. No, every Christian needs a pastor. Notice here, Paul was setting things in order in the church. Where did he start? With the pastor. He said, those churches are going to stay. Those churches are going to be established. Those churches are going to be the way God designed them to be. There needs to be a pastor. We know tonight that there's churches without pastors that don't last long. And there's churches who don't want a pastor, and they don't last long either. God designed it for a church to have a pastor. That doesn't make me give me any superhero powers. I can't see through walls. I don't instantly know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation verbatim. But yet the Lord has established it and designed it because that's the way it's supposed to be. Every Christian needs a pastor. Now look at verse number six through nine. He gives the example of what the pastor's supposed to be. What you're looking for when you are desiring or when Titus was looking for an elder to ordain as the pastor or the bishop of the church, he tells these qualifications, verses six through nine. Now tonight, I'm not gonna get mad at you. We're not gonna split hairs tonight. But look at verse number six. If you be blameless, a husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly, that's a good place to start. If the home ain't right, they ain't gonna be able to lead a church. Right? Do I have a perfect home? No. But thankfully, God has given us a good home. Right? My kids are kids, right? T.R. sang a wonderful song tonight. <laughs> what if you could have been at the house with us this evening? Man, he, he's 100% he's boy. He is a spitting image of me at that age. I called my mom and apologized. I'm sorry, mom. Notice what he says. He talks about the home in verse number six for verse number seven, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. I was walking down from the mailbox today and there was one of them little plastic bottles of Jim Beam. It's empty in the, uh, the driveway of the church. And I think all the places you could drop that thing off at. And you could see where there's, I think someone's trash can blew over or something because there was trash going down the, the road. And I picked that up. I said, I'm going to go throw it away in my office. 
said, now I'm going to put it in the dumpster. <laughs> Preacher, what's that doing in your trash can? And you ain't going to believe what I'm fixing to tell you. <laughs> but notice here, he's to be blameless, right? To be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not in it for himself, not soon angry, don't have anger issues. Because here's the thing, if, if that's not controlled, if that's not guided by the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to resolve conflicts. Right? And if all I ever do is yell at you and scream at you, right? I, I'm no longer a pastor, I'm a drill sergeant. We see here tonight that not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. A lot of pastors would say, well, there ain't no way I can be that. There ain't no way I can be filthy lucre. I, I don't make enough money. Can I say tonight, it's not about how much you make, it's where your heart is. I've got a few minutes. Let me be real honest with you tonight. You know what bothers me more when I hear a pastor downgrade his people, tell about how terrible they are, how many problems they cause, and how they're just terrible people, but then doesn't mind taking a paycheck from them. Bothers me. I'm preaching for Brother Brian McCann. Uh, Brian McCann, he's a baseball player. Brian Cannon, next Tuesday night in McCormick, South Carolina, and went to Bible college with him. We text just about every day. And can I say tonight, I've never once heard him say anything bad about his people. I've never said anything bad about y'all to him. Ain't no need for it. Ain't no need for it. We see here tonight that a pastor is to be blameless. He's to be no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality. Hey, man, I like chicken and sweet tea. <laughs> not what he's talking about there, but in essence, a lover of hospitality. I, I care for you. I, I help and all those kind of things. A lover of good men, sober, just, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he's been taught. He says all these character issues and he gets down to verse number nine. He said, but the most important, or it has to be realized, is he holding true to the Bible? Because here's the thing that I, I'm not perfect. Right? My flesh rears up just like your flesh does. And I struggle with things just like you struggle with things. Thank God for grace. Thank God for 1 John 1 now. We can get those things right tonight. But can I say deep down in my heart tonight, I have a desire to stick with the book. I don't, I don't want to stray away from this. I don't want to get away from it because I know that that doesn't produce anything worthwhile. We see here tonight the example of the pastor. He gives all these character issues that he's holding fast to the faithful words that he's been taught. Notice what's not in there, a dynamic speaker, a people person. Can I say I'm glad that's not in there? A good salesman, I'm glad that's not in there too. I'm one of those, when I try to, when I try to negotiate, I end up paying more. They forgot about something. They're like, hey, we've got to add this in there. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. My heart's to be here till I die. But if the Lord tarries is coming one day, South Haven Baptist Church is going to have to find another pastor. I don't know when it's going to be and how it's going to happen, but learn to observe the man. Observe his life. Don't just pick him because he, he preaches good. Don't just pick him because he's a good per people person. He can talk his way out of any situation. Find a man that loves the Lord, loves his family and loves the word of God. We see the example of the pastor. We see the encouragement of the pastor. 1 Peter 5, 2, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking this oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not by filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. It's amazing. Paul said, hey, don't be a filthy lucre. Peter said the same exact thing. If both men who were dealing with different people at different times, both said, hey, don't find a man who loves money. Must be a real temptation. Must be a real problem. 
You got to think, they, they were dying back then, being martyred and killed. And he said, hey, don't find one of filthy lucre. Notice this, two ways the pastor can encourage you. One, through the preaching of his word, the feeding of the flock. I was up here this week and Brother Ricky and his, his crew were up there painting back there in the fellowship hall and I felt bad because I, I hadn't touched the first paintbrush. I hadn't picked up the first roller. And I don't mind, I mean, I enjoy working with my hands, but I, I just hadn't been able to make it back there getting all this stuff together. I remember the one time I said, hey, Brother Ricky, I've got to leave. I'm sorry that I haven't done anything. And I was holding my Bible. He said, you just stay in that. You just stay in that. That's what we really need. Can I say tonight, as a pastor, this is my main responsibility, is to feed the flock of God. Preacher, why do you preach so much? Because I feel like I'm supposed to feed you. I'm supposed to feed you. Now, sometimes I get excited when I feed you. Sometimes I just, here it is. Hope you enjoy it. Sometimes I don't know why you want to eat it, but here it is. Notice the pastor encourages through his preaching, feeding the flock, but he also encourages through his counsel. Paul, Peter said, taking oversight. Taking oversight. That word oversight means to look carefully at, to care for. Can I say I love preaching, but I can't make the decisions for you, but I'd love to help you make the decision. I'd love to give you my counsel, my help. That's an encouragement when somebody, I'm not going to require you to come to me before you go buy something. I'm going to require you to come to me before you go take a new job. But I wouldn't mind t- talking to you about it and helping you. It's part of a pastor's responsibility. One is to feed the flock, but also to counsel, to take oversight. Watching and caring for the souls of his congregation. We see the example of the pastor, the encouragement of the pastor. Every Christian needs a pastor. Every Christian needs a church. Every Christian needs a Bible. Let me ask you tonight, I was called my wife. I said, I need help with my application. I said, I can't ask this in a way that doesn't sound rude or uh, doesn't sound like real forthcoming. But let me ask you this way tonight. Are you allowing yourself to be pastored? Are you allowing yourself to be pastored? Where do you get your counsel from? Where do you get your counsel from? Not every Christian needs a Bible. It's God's word. Every Christian needs a church. It's God's plan. Every Christian needs a pastor. He's God's man. Let me ask you, do you have what you need tonight? Are you using what you need tonight? Every Christian needs those three things. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you.